This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. Visit JabberjawMedia.com for more shows like this one. Hello and welcome to the Noise Careers Podcast. I am your host, Jesse Cannon, and this week I'm here with Jason Parent. You may know Jason as a booking agent at APA, where he represents groups like Real Friends, Turnover, Knuckle Puck, Modern Baseball, Somos, and tons and tons more. He also runs You Did This Records with Fred Feldman at Triple Crown Records, which is his newest endeavor and has groups like Heart Attack Man on the label. We talk about a lot of those groups in this. We really get into his history, which I think is a great lesson for how music careers get made. And then we get a lot into what bands are doing wrong, what bands are doing right, and a whole lot of things about how you actually navigate this business when it comes to a touring life. Uh, Jason has built so many careers from the ground up. I think this is one of the most insightful episodes on how that actually happens and how that sausage gets made. I think he does an incredible, incredible job, and this is one of my favorite episodes we've done. It's a little bit different than some of the episodes you may may hear. Uh, we did this in person over some beers, so every once in a while you hear a clack, and there's a little bit of a room echo because it's in my small little Brooklyn office. But I think this is a really awesome episode. So with that... I want you to check out one of Jabberjaw's other podcasts. The Modern Vinyl Podcast combines the colorful conversations overheard at your neighborhood record store with insightful criticism that goes beyond the surface noise. Located at modernvinyl.com and find them on your favorite podcast app by searching Modern Vinyl Podcast or through jabberjawmedia.com. As well, I want to tell you about my new book, Processing Creativity, the Tools, Habits, and Practices that Help You Make Music You're Happy With. If you enjoy this conversation, I guarantee you will enjoy that book. It's out in ebook, physical book, and audiobook form right now. With that said, check out this conversation with Jason, and I hope you enjoy it. Hey, one second before we get started with this interview. Noise Creators is able to do these cool podcasts because we're a service, and we're trying to get the word out about our service to people. So if you enjoy this podcast, it's really, really important that you share it to people so more people can get to know what we're doing, trying to connect musicians with producers to make better music and make better records for you all to listen to. So please, please, please help us out. If you like this and like what we're doing, share it, tweet it, Facebook it, Instagram it, tumble it, whatever you like to do, do that. As well, we're going to start doing a really cool thing. If there's a great quote from these podcasts that you really enjoy, put it on a graphic, tweet it, Facebook it, take a picture of it, and send it to us at Noise Creators on every single one of the social networks. And what we're going to do is we're going to share the best ones. And if you're one of the best ones, we're going to send you a list of prizes we have. We have a bunch of cool, rare things from bands that aren't as much of a use to us. We have a couple of extras of rare pressings of vinyl, all sorts of cool stuff. You can choose from a list and we'll send that out to you for free if you share a really cool quote that we like and we use. Thanks so much for helping out and please, please, please help us spread the word on our service. Thanks. 
What do you tell when you, somebody who uh, is, obviously knows nothing about music, how do you tell them what you do for a living? You see your favorite band put up a set of tour dates, and I'm the person that put it together. That's good. Yeah. I like that. Like, if I tell my family, I'm like, hey, you saw Paul McCartney put on all these shows. One person helped put that together. Is or, the only one person even for something epic? Well, it depends. Sometimes it's like AEG or Live Nation, mm-hmm. like, runs, controls all of a touring for, like, an artist that big. Yes. Or... But, like, anyway, I was like, I was like, you see a tour of House of Blues has come up. One person booked that. Mm-hmm. Well, not some the well, kind of, actually not. Sometimes it's not one person. Sometimes some agents, some agencies have, like, a territorial system. Mm. Where, like, you know, they'll be the responsible agent whose client it is. But then, like, there's a person in the West Coast, the Midwest, the South, Southeast, the Northeast, Canada. Totally. And, like, APA does run on that system, but... I don't really work in there. I kind of like handling everything myself. Gotcha. You're more personable from promoter to promoter. Exactly. Which I feel like is the way I started booking and the way I learned how to book. And I don't want to kind of lose control of everything because I feel like... I'm not saying that that system doesn't work because it does because those people have super close relationship with those promoters because they're the only people that they deal with. So it kind of, it kind of helps them build more long-term relationships whereas I'm kind of spread out and spread thin but I try so is that by a scene thing or like usually designated or is that just a style that some people do um it's just a style of certain agencies like even like the agency group which got acquired by UTA they they switched over to a territorial system hmm. and for a while like when the agency group first started they were all self-booked by each agent yeah that's what I remember yeah. and so now they're territorial um and it fits into, like, different categories. Like, there's, like, the club system. There's a theaters and ballroom system. And then there's, like, the arenas and amphitheater systems. Hmm. So, like, there's, like, different agents assigned to each territory. And in the territory, there's, like, different tiers of, like, who books what. Gotcha. Yeah. So let's get into how you started. Uh, what is your history with this? I started... I want to say I knew I wanted to work in music the first like club show that I went to which was um I never ever been to a club show before I like my dad would take me to see Blank and Green Day mm-hmm. and like we went and saw the Rolling Stones and like stadiums and like, yeah, a- yeah. amphitheaters and stuff I and think then, everybody goes to stadiums first then you yeah and then so next. it was I had just moved to Ohio with my family from mm-hmm. like it was 2002 and like the boxcar racer record had come out yeah and I was like, hey, mom, they're playing at the Agora Theater. I was a freshman <laughs> in high school. And I was like, I really, really, really want to go. She was like, well, that's in a terrible neighborhood. <laughs> like, okay, you should go meet some friends at the new school and, like, see if they want to go. So that was, like, my the show. I think the show's in, like, December. Mm-hmm. And, like, they announced it in, like, September. And I was like, I was, so I was, like, I was like, all right, well, I'm going to buy four tickets. And then I'm going to meet people and go. And then I, like, met some friends. And, like, I had my mom drop me off at this place at like three o'clock in the afternoon maybe even earlier maybe it was like two and we were like the first <laughs> and we were like the first people there and I'm like this is crazy this is nothing like I've ever seen before and I was like just kind of like watching everybody do their jobs and like it wasn't like a big production like I was like, used to seeing mm-hmm. and I was like this is really cool and like uh, we walk in the venue you know like, the, like we're the first ones in and I'm like there's like, a, there's like a ballroom venue in there and there's like a theater venue where Boxcar was playing and I just kind of like 
looked around. I was like, I just had so many questions. Huh. And then my friends and like started like being in bands and I wasn't really musically inclined. So I was like, well, I'll like manage you guys. And, like, and this is like early in high school. Yeah. yeah. Like, like metalcore bands. <laughs> and I'm like calling venues and being like, hey. I mean, so technically this is MySpace core bands. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. This is like, yeah, exactly. I think their name was Yuri Scape. And it's funny, oh, yeah. the singer of that band now helps me with finances. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> but that's why this the thing I say too, though, is like the best thing about punk rock when people are like, oh, I'm going to have nothing. I'm like, no, you're going to have the best network you've ever had. Because yeah. everybody you meet ends up doing something. And like, if there's one thing you get out of this, if you fucking tour and do things, is like you have friends for life that have skills. Yeah. And I'll like call and like get them on shows and they're shitty like pay to play shows and like, and then I was like, I, I don't know. I like finished high school and I'm like, I had, like, my high school graduation, I, like, I had, like, a hardcore band from Rochester come play in my parents' garage. Nice. Um, they were called How We Are. Um, Lifetime. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I was always just super interested in the ins and outs of it, and then went to college and kind of, like, started playing in bands and doing that thing, and I was, like, really into, like, booking our own shows, and mm -hmm. then I started... I wasn't on the concert board at the school, but I, like, put some shows in there. And, like, one of the first bigger shows I booked, I think, was, um, our, the, there was, like, this little venue in the basement of the student center called the Ratskeller, which is, like, a famous, yeah like, venue. I, mean, I, I think that's every college, if they have, like, their, like, who's, like, oh, you're playing with the rat. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, like, I remember I booked... It was like two tours combined. It was like Tiger's Jaw Aficionado run uh -huh. tour together. And then it was like it was um Transit Hostage Com and I don't remember who else. This was like 2007, 2008. It's Transit Hostage Com. Yeah, I'm trying to think who else. I don't remember there. who else it was, but then like Citizen played when they were very young. Uh Light Years played, who was like the, oh, yeah. one of the first bands I ever booked and like best friends of mine. Um, and it was like this huge show. There was like 500 people there. Wow. And, like, all the bands had like crazy reactions. And I was like, man, I want to start doing this. So then I like engulfed myself in like booking shows. And like my friend had started this production company called Hope This Helps Booking. And I like stole his name because he was like getting <laughs> out of it. He was like booking, like he like booked hardcore shows in Cleveland for like a couple years. And I was like, oh, this name's really cool. And he's like, that's a great name. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, I'm just going to take this. <laughs> and uh he still gives me shit for it but um so i just started booking like punk shows at venues like now that's class and the beach on ballroom and the grog shop and i kind of just started developing yeah. relationships with, with agents like i booked like title fight in 2008 at like a diy space the wonder years played my house in college twice <laughs> like yeah so you've been you, you've been in the, like, from, I, from like, the moment of this revival you you, you were, you were yeah there. and like I became friends with all these people when they were like in their infancy of bands mm -hmm. like and like Dan and I from the wonder years are like great friends now mm -hmm. almost 10 years later and like we like bounce each other like obviously like I was too young to become their agent but like I like but we have like a cool business relationship where we bounce ideas off each other all the time um but yeah so i started doing that and then i was like going through college and kind of not giving a shit and working dead-end jobs and i eventually finished college 
five years later Eventually, yeah, yeah. with a history degree. And then I'm like, well, I don't know what I want to do. Mm. So the first thing I did the day after I graduated college was I had booked two day trader shows. Uh huh. Um, and like I became friends with Gary and like he posted on Facebook, hey, we're looking for a merch person. I was like, yo, mm. I want to do this. I want to just go like meet people and like go on tour. So like I flew to, to New York City the uh, day after I graduated college. And their van was broken. It was supposed to be a tour with them, Daylight, and uh, another one for cover band, Sea Haven. Yeah, I remember this tour, yeah. And so, like, where I'm just, I had never really hung out with Gary and them outside of, like, like just booking their shows in Cleveland, them staying at my house. So it was like, I'm like sitting in New York City, Long Island for like five days while they figure out what they're gonna do. <laughs> then we like find a van and they buy it and we drive straight down to Florida. And we like start and we like, we like start that tour and I'm like met the Sea Haven guys and then that tour happened and that 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 tour is really cool and then I'm like get I get home that summer and I'm like okay what am I gonna do? My parents are like pressuring me to get a job and I'm like student loans. I know I'm like I don't want to do that and like my I had my rent was like two hundred fifty dollars a month so I was like <laughs> I can like I have time to figure this out you know mm-hmm. so I'm like. I really, like, am very interested in, like, just, like, the process of booking a tour. Mm-hmm. I had become friends with, like, Phil from the agency group, UTA, and, like, Merrick from Ground Control mm-hmm. was, like, selling me a lot of shows. And I kind of just asked them for advice and, like, just kind of, I would call them and annoy them and just be that kid. Yep. Um... Oh, I mean, that, that's a lot of the skill of getting yeah. some of the music because I think I think that, you know it's like the funny thing of like uh, somebody who spoke before we had school recently was like but what's the secret to success is like not being scared to call and annoy people who know more than you and I was right. like actually that's kind of one of the best answers I've that's ever heard that's I feel like that's where I go where I where I am today was annoying people mm-hmm. and staying persistent and like so I would call them and I'm like, I'm like my friend Pat, who's sang for the band Light Years, mm-hmm. who I was living with. I was like, Pat, I'm gonna, I'm like gonna start booking your tours, okay? He's like, whatever, dude. <laughs> like, figure it out. Got no one else, so maybe he was gonna just do it. Yeah. And then I'm like friends with this young kid citizen. Mm-hmm. They're like in high school still. And then I'm friends, and then like the band Pentimento uh-huh. was like, oh, these guys are cool. And then I met Turnover. I think Pat showed me Turnover. He's like, check out this band. And I'm like, okay, there's that band. Mm-hmm. And then I called Taylor from Daylight, who I just did a tour with, with Day Trade. I was like, mm-hmm. Taylor, I want to start booking bands. I'm going to book your band, please. And he's like, fuck you, dude. <laughs> and then eventually he's like, fine, you can do it. <laughs> and then I feel like who else was in the... And then Maker uh-huh. was in there. So like I was like, okay, I'm going to like start this little company and make this, this little roster. So I had like Pat make me... It was either Pat or Jeff from Run For Cover made me a logo. And then Jeff built the website. And then I made Zach post about it on Property Zach. Nice. So yeah, just pulled all the pulled all the cards. But I had no idea what I was doing. Yeah. I was like, I had no contacts outside of like the greater Midwest area. I was just looking at itineraries from tours that I had did. And I was like, I got no idea what I'm doing. Oh, and sea, and sea Haven was on there too. Oh, okay. Sea Haven was on there from meeting them with Day Trader. And then... I was like, all right, I'll try this. And then Tom from HostageCom introduced me to Greg Horrible. Uh-huh. And Tom was like, you should meet Greg because he wants to start doing this too. And Greg was playing in The World is Beautiful Place. Mm-hmm. 
And what was his band before that? I don't know what his band was before that. I remember, remember him being he was band, a, He so. just got out of one band, and he had just joined The World Is. And um, so I never met Greg in person. We just talked on the phone and via email. And then there's this other girl named Alexa who was booking, like, I Call Fives. I don't remember who else. She didn't, she didn't stay with us for very long. But anyways, this was, like, the company. We had never met. We didn't know what we were doing. We had no, like, infrastructure. But I was like, all right, I'm going to try this. And then Sea Haven was like, you want to come on tour with us? It was just Sea Haven, Touche More, Piano's become the T tour. It's a good tour. Yeah. I think it was, like, 2011 or 2012. Sounds right. Yeah. So I did that tour and became quickly apparent that I didn't know what I was doing. I was even over my head with Sea Haven because they were like, they were kind of starting to happen. Yeah, they had a great buzz. And like, they got a manager and the manager was Tim Zahosky. He's like, listen, dude. Like, Tim and I were old friends, by the way, because he was in a, Tim was in a metalcore band called One Dead, Three Wounded, Uh who I would like book shows for back in the day. So I knew Tim. Mm -hmm. And Tim's like, dude, I know you want to do this, but like, you got to give the band like a real agent. Mm -hmm. And I was like, totally fair. I was like, all about it. I was like, I get it. Well, I mean, that's also the right thing because, like, you think about how many people they get so mad and they get so thing. It's like that's part of the cycle, right? Is the band outgrows you, and then you eventually that band makes you seem big, right? And they get big, exactly. So they did that, and they went to Merrick, and now that mm-hmm. was totally cool. I was like, I know Merrick, mm-hmm. I know he'll do a great job. So got home from the, got home from that tour, learning a lot, meeting a lot of promoters meeting just a lot, a lot of people, managers, agents. And I was like, okay, I'm going to try and settle down and kind of do this full time, but I wasn't making really any money. And then I was like, this genius idea for citizen turnover and light years to do a summer tour together. And they were like, no, we're too small. It's too many bands on tour. We're never going to make any money. And I was like, no, I'll get the package 300 bucks a night. Everybody will be okay. Wow. <laughs> For me, that was like crazy. Yeah, I, know. I was it's like, like one of those things like you're like, it's so sad to talk about that, but yeah, that, that's a that's a big deal. I was like, guys, each get hundred bucks a night, we'll, we'll, we'll be fine. And I booked the tour, and it was like st- way too long, because it was like playing like it did like two shows in Alabama, it did like I think two shows in Oklahoma, like six shows in California, but the tour killed it. In my terms, I was yeah. like, we sold out like. The Cambridge uh, Democracy Center, like we did, like two hundred people in New York, we, like we sold out this place called Aladdin Juniors in Pomona, which is like next to the Glass House. Oh, nice! So the tour did really, really, really well, and that's where I met. I did like half the tour, mm-hmm. and then I went and did Warp Tour with with Hostagecom, who I was kind of touring with too at at that point. Mm-hmm. And so I met Avange Lovanos on that mm-hmm. tour. Because I had emailed of, Chase of, of Synergy Management. Yes. For people who don't know. Yeah. Sorry, I had emailed Chase, who she was working with. I was like, check out this band, Citizen. He's like, I don't really like this, but my partner Vonge would love it. And then she didn't respond to me for months. And then the band was about to be in New York, and she called me. We were in Allentown actually, mm-hmm. and she was like, Hey, sorry, I haven't gotten back to you. But I'm really, I'm finally checking the, this out, and I love it. And I had, like, my guard up a little bit because I was like, yo, this band is, like, doing well. I got fucked on Sea Haven. Not fucked, but, like, yeah. I yeah, lost... you lost them. I lost Sea Haven, and, like, I'm like, I'll let you talk to them, but you're going to promise me you won't fire me. <laughs> <laughs> that's really good, though. That, that, that's, called, that's called learning a lesson right there. You're going to promise me you won't fire me. And she's like, yeah, 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 it's fine, it's fine, it's fine. And I'm like, they talked to her. The next day, we were in New York City, and she was living in Astoria. Mm-hmm. And she, she, we met up with her in a story, and these kids were, like, so awkward. 
And that's funny to look back on now because now they like torment her. That's good. Yeah, but they're like, like they're like, 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 like they like they like wore like button up shirts and like they're like so nervous. I think they were all that was they were just out of high school then, so they were like all. 18 I remember years the old. first time I saw them. Like I was like, these kids look like they literally had to like run away from home to right. tour. Except for Ryland, who's like creepy yeah. and old. And like. <laughs> <laughs> they look so young. Like the guys up front or whatever. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, so they meet her, and then she's like, I want to manage you guys, I want to manage you guys, and she was managing Make Do Mend, mm -hmm. Braid, and, like, I forget who else at, at the time, and they're like, we're in. And then she started managing them, and I was like, okay, I'm gonna get fucked, I'm gonna get fucked, I'm gonna get fucked, I'm on tour <laughs> all the time, I'm not going to pay attention to this. Mm -hmm. And then I got home from Warped Tour with Hostage Com, and I moved into, like, this house in Ohio, and I, like, set up, like, an office in the house. With like Pat from Light Years and a couple other close friends, I'm like, all right, I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna just not go on tour anymore, and I'm gonna. Well, I had like committed to like a couple other hostage comp tours, mm -hmm. and I was like, I'm gonna do. I'm gonna do those tours and then be done. And in the meantime, I got Citizen on tour with Story So Far. I found real friends at that time. Well, actually, no, real friends found me. Don't mm -hmm. get mad if I say that. <laughs> Kyle. Kyle would, would bug me about booking his shows in Ohio. I'm like, dude, I don't have time. I'm on tour all the time. I kind of just trying to concentrate on doing that. And then eventually I like, really checked it out. And I was like, man, this band is truly buzzing online. It was like, I, it was insane. I, I, I would go as far to say as they were one of the greater grassroots. Like, oh, it's amazing how big they got without a label. We could do a whole podcast about them and, yeah. their, and their business and how they've how they've built it in like that. the most unique way possible. I, I, There's I, no band that's done it like they have, and I don't think any band will ever do it like they have. I, well, it's interesting. It was, like, it was like kind of right when like my uh, first book came out, and like it was like one of those things, like everything they were doing, I'm like, oh, good, this looks good for me, because this is all the things I'm telling bands to do. Right. And it's like, it was, it was so amazing to see how really uniquely big they got. Like, I can't think of a band that got They were big that before big. they toured. Like, yeah, it was just, like, one of those things, like, they got so crazy. But it was funny, like, because I, I can remember kids complaining to me, because I own that stupid Defend Pop Punk board. I right. I started. And people were like, this band spams us all day. Throw them off. I'm like, ah, they seem nice. They're, they're doing what I tell them to do. They did the most, it was crazy. I was like, Kyle had been in bands before. Mm -hmm. He had done the Warp Tour a couple times. Um, and he was just like, he's like, all right, this is my last band. This, this oh, is that's it. interesting. Because he's like he's 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 like my age. He's like in his late twenties, and he's like, "This is my last band. I have this model, and I'm gonna stick to it. And nobody's gonna deter me." Mm -hmm. And like he did it, and like I convinced him. I was like, "Dude, let me book your band. Like, let me book this tour for you, and then we'll see how it goes." So this was like I was like home in between tours, and I booked this tour, and it was like Real Friends, Light Years. I think that was it. Maybe I think I think I think that was it. It was like this small little janky Midwest tour, mm -hmm. and Kyle's like, "Okay, you did good enough, but it's still sloppy." And I was like, "Okay, you're right." And then I I sent it to Avange. I was like, "Avange, listen to this band." And she's like, "I don't know, I'm too busy." And then she, the same thing happened with her. That happened with me. And she he looked into it and she's like, "Oh my god, this is crazy." And it's also that thing that like it's a good lesson for kids because like you know this like too it's like every fucking time like a band sends somebody a record it's three days and they're like oh my god they don't want to work with us and then you get like like if right. I listen to something within two weeks of somebody sending it's a miracle from fucking heaven right, right. but it's like and I'm not even half as busy as a manager or a booking agent with what you guys get right 
Yeah, and then she saw what I saw, and it was it was incredible. And I went on tour with Hostage Comedy Shirtlay Manifesto, and I was like, I, I was doing an okay job balancing, doing both. I was like, I, mm -hmm. I can tour, and I can work in the van. Tom was working at Run For Cover by, yeah. by that point. So we had this like sweet yeah, little like, like 2010, 2011. Yeah. They had a sweet little like mobile office. We had like a thing in the van where you could go on the internet. We called it Shite Junior. <laughs> and it was like, we were just like, we, we would work. And it wasn't like too overwhelming. Like, I was booking tours there, but Mike, but my, like, I was sloppy on like the back end. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? And so I got, home from, I got home from that tour. I'm like, all right, I'm going to do one, one more tour with you guys. And it was like, it was the Wonder Years. Uh, Mister Fireworks, mm. Hostage Com. Yep. yep. And then there's I think there's somebody. I feel, think there's somebody else on there. I think it was like an alternate some opener or something. Yeah. So I in the middle of that tour, I remember exactly. This is a crazy story. We like we're supposed to play in Fargo, North Dakota, and I was like super excited. I was like I never been to North Dakota. This would be, this would be really cool. <laughs> You're the first person to be just excited about going to North Dakota. Ever. Like, it's just like a cool, <laughs> unique show. Yeah, it's yeah. like. And we couldn't go because there was a snowstorm, so the highway was, was closed. Mm -hmm. And so we're stuck at Omaha, Nebraska, and I just had, like, a, a straight-up panic attack. I'm, like, freaking out. I'm, like, there's so much stuff going on on the booking side of things, and I just need... Citizen just confirmed Warp Tour. Mm -hmm. Real Friends confirmed half of Warp Tour. I was booking, like, a Real Friends headline tour for, like, the second half of that. Which modern baseball opened, which is funny. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's always like those are always the good jokes. I mean, it's like always like a good joke of like you know like basement playing to twenty people uh, off the road. They yeah. the fucking Atcheron, and then you know the next time at fucking uh, Webster Hall. So I had a full blown freak yeah. out, and I was like, I'm done. I'm fucking done touring. I stayed home, started like going full force with it, and this is going to like summer, spring, summer. 2013. Mm -hmm. Started booking that, booking like a, a Real Friends summer headline tour after Warp Tour and then a Real Friends fall tour. And then there was like a Citizen was going on tour, Polar Bear Club, and stuff was like just starting. I, I just picked up Knuckle Puck mm -hmm. and I picked up Modern Baseball. So stuff was like starting to like move. So, so, so let's, let's divert a little bit. So when you pick them up, how, what does that look like? Where do you find them? We've, we've told the stories about how you found some of your other bands. Knuckle Puck, I found... Through Zach mm -hmm. and Real Friends, because Real Friends and Knuckle Real Friends, like, yeah, yeah. Real Friends told Zach, and then right, and yeah. they were like all good friends. And then Modern Baseball, I found from with Zach as well, because Zach's That's like right, because he would just go to school. There's Zach's like there's this cool band in Philly. They're playing basements. People are really like getting excited about it. Uh, whereas you were smart, as he sent it to me, and I went, I don't hear anything here. <laughs> <laughs> and they had just released Force by, yeah. by by themselves. Yep. And I was like, oh, this record's so good. And then those kids were still in school. Yeah, I remember. And like, we got offered. Well, I'm kind of getting ahead of myself here. Mm -hmm. Anyway, so yeah. Well, I wanted to want to get the story in there. So, so yeah. Um, so yeah, modern baseball was through Zach, and then I just started like, and then I found Have Mercy. Their manager emailed me, who's not their manager anymore. Um, mm -hmm. I was like, oh, this band's really cool too. But I was starting to like bite off more than I could chew mm -hmm. and like, there was like a lot of bands and I wasn't having any kind of infrastructure for the back end of stuff and then I was kind of freaking out and I had met Brad Wiseman when he was singing for Misser on mm -hmm. the on the Wonder Years tour and he was he had been he's he had been doing the kind of same thing I've been doing yeah. for a long time maybe even a, a little bit longer he was in this time next year yeah. before that 
And then he was working with Ryan Soroka. Yeah. And they started the Soroka Agency together, which was like run by Equal Vision Records and. Mm-hmm. It was like a, and it was like a, this little company, and like it I was, was like, a smart thing to do with the Equal Vision kind of having to be in-house booking, but they had other right, people. and they kind of financially ran it too. Yeah, um, and I was like, Brad, can I come work there? And like a couple months went by, and like Brad's like, Yeah, you can come work here, and like we did like a deal and a contract, and I was like, Cool, and I was like, I was settled in in Ohio. I had gotten a car accident in like March. And I got like a, like somebody like, somebody cut me off and I smashed into him. And I was like, and I bought like a, like my first like new car. I was like, cause the company was starting to do well, making okay money, mm-hmm. living in Ohio was cheap. So I was like, I'm going to buy this new, this new Honda Civic. And I remember I went and saw Saves the Day at the garage shop and they were like, it was like on that tour Hostage Con played, I think. Mm-hmm. And they were playing like two and a half hour legendary sets every yeah, night. Yeah, yeah. You remember, you remember that tour? It was uh, like I, I, I think that's the thing is what what Chris is famous for is a two and a half hour legendary uh, sets. It was just like they were like, on this week long bender where they were playing like these. It was like all the old hits, and yeah. I got like straight fucking drunk. <laughs> and Jake Lang, who was like mm-hmm. a tour guy, he was gonna yeah. like he was on tour with Hoshikong. Kong. He's like, I'll drive your car home. You're too drunk. I was like, thanks. That's great. Because I didn't know what I was going to do. So, like, walking out of the garage shop, and I'm, like, looking for my car. And I'm, like, my car's not here. He goes, dude, you're an idiot. You just don't know where you parked it. You're drunk. Like, it, it's not here. Like, you parked it somewhere else. I was, like, dude, no, my car is right there. And so I called the police. And he's, like, why are you calling the police? I'm, like, my car's gone. They're, like, oh, are you the Honda Civic? And I'm, like, yeah. He's, like, oh, a drunk driver crashed into your car. Your parked car on the street. <laughs> Damn. And I'm like, I just bought this car. And wow. luckily, the saint that my mother is, she made me buy gap insurance. Oh, that's so good. So, like, everything was covered. Like, I didn't owe a dime on the car. And I was like, well, I'm just going to move to New York now. I was like, My, fuck it. Like, I, I, I mean, the reason I moved here is uh, I hated driving it. I knew I was a drunk. I was, so I was like, I was like <laughs> you, you move here when you're drunk. Yeah, you I, was don't like, drive. I was like, I have bad luck with cars. I, sh- I, I have terrible visions. So I shouldn't be driving mm-hmm. as it is. So I was like, I'm going to move to New York. This was like, this was in, I think, September. And in September, I was like, I'm going to move to New York in December. I'm going to get my shit straight. Figure it out. So I, po- I started posting, like, hey, I'm going to move to New York. And then Mitchell Wojcik hits me up, mm-hmm. who's like a photographer. He just he just done like a light years video, and he's like, "Hey, I live in this apartment. One of the guys from a great big pile of leaves is moving out. Nope. Do you want this room? But you gotta move in like October fifteenth." And I was like, "I had just had. I was like, fuck. It's like the end of September. I'm going to LA for like a week to see real friends out there on their headline tour. All right, I'll I'll figure it out." And the rent was like seven hundred dollars a month. For me, that was like crazy expensive. Yeah. But now living here for four years, yeah. I'm like, <laughs> no, you're like, oh my god, I, just, I killed for that. <laughs> no. And I was like, okay, I'm gonna figure this out. And so I did it. I just moved there. My mom helped me move, and I packed all my shit and I moved into this little this little bedroom, and I built like a desk in there, and I just started working with with, with the stroke agency. And then Ryan was finishing college in Philly. Um, and then the plan was to get an office uh, in, in in May of 2014. Mm-hmm. And in between that time, you know, things have started to even go crazier. Like, Modern Baseball got offered this Wonder Years tour, mm-hmm. which was, like, the tour that, like, I feel, like, helped break them. It was, like, 
it was a most stacked tour ever. It was like the Wonder Years, Defeater, Social Defeater, and yeah, ended up being Fireworks, yeah. Citizen, Real Friends, Modern Baseball. Gotcha. And that tour crushed. But like the problem was, Modern Baseball was in college, and like, I, all the credit to them, they didn't want to like drop out of school. Yeah. And I was like, you shouldn't. And so their manager Eric and I devised this plan where they would go to school every other semester. And somehow, I remember this now. I remember this now yeah. Somehow the school was like, cool. Yeah. It was like Drexel, and they were like, yeah. this is totally cool. Like, because they are all, most of them were in like the music yeah. industry, music recording side of, of the program. And so they devised this plan where like we had, Eric and I had, had like the touring schedule for the next like year and a half, maybe even two years mapped out. Where it'd be like, touring school, touring school, touring school. It's, it's so funny because like that <laughs> kind of is really brilliant because so many bands go through that of like, the school thing and then they want to go back and then they're like so scared and that weighs on them and it fucks with their career it's pretty fucking smart yeah we had this whole I remember we devised it when they were playing they were playing like a college show at Northeastern and we're like let's this is how it can work and yeah it all came it all worked out and like the band truly like blew up from that point they were getting paid a hundred dollars a night on that tour and it just was like after that the, like everything changed yeah, I remember like when it was like they have a million plays on a graduation on, on Spotify yeah. before like any band had. Yeah, and then like, that work, like that, that that record came out, and then we put a tour on sale. It was like the short little East Coast. It was, it was like a two week tour. It was like them, um, the Hotelier, Timing Parts, and Sorority Noise. Like one of Sorority Noise's first tours, mm -hmm. and like put it on sale. Like I put on any any other tour on sale, and I'm like, okay, I'll, 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 I'll get ticket counts next week. Promoter start hitting me up. Hey, the show sold out. Hey, the show sold out. Like that day. Hey, can we add? Can we add another date? Can we just do a bigger venue? Wow. <laughs> and I had never experienced that before. Yeah. That was like the first time I experienced like like Real Friends was doing really well, but they weren't like selling out shows like on yeah. the on sale. And I was like, this is crazy. And then this whole time, I'm like always calling older agents. I'm calling like Nick Storch, calling Phil, I'm calling Tim Bohr, I'm calling Andrew Ellis, and just like asking for advice and like getting what it's I can. amazing. I was, was giving you advice. Well, <laughs> that was a tough one. He, I actually went to his office before I started working with Ryan. I'm like, dude, I want a job. He's like, you're not ready. And he just like, he would always like take my calls, but sometimes he wouldn't say anything. So when looking back, do you think you were ready or not? At that point, like when I, before I moved to New York now, mm -hmm. like, I'm glad I went through this like learning phase and like kind of doing things on my own. And then I would bug him and bug him and bug him. And I think he was annoyed that I didn't stay on my own. And I, like, went to work with Ryan. Because mm. I mean, we didn't talk for, like, a little bit. And then the first year Skate and Surf was back at Asbury mm -hmm. Park. or and, uh, Asbury. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. To the convention center or whatever. Yeah. yeah, it was there. And I ran into him. I was like, what's up, man? He's like, what's going on with you? And I'm like, nothing. <laughs> He's like, Okay. And I'm like, whatever, fuck this guy. It's the least cordial person on earth. This fucking asshole, like. And then I go back home and I didn't even think anything of it. I was like, oh whatever. And then on Monday he calls me, he goes, So you just don't want a fucking job or what? Mm. <laughs> That's pretty good. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, he's like, well send me your numbers. We'll go from there. And then I had a couple meetings with like the higher ups of the company who didn't know who any of my bands were. But Andrew's like, yo, I really believe in this kid. I think he's going to make something of himself. Like, 
Because at the time, APA, before Andrew worked there, was like mostly like adult contemporary, yeah. classic rock. I can remember when that announcement happened. I was like, that's a weird fit. Yeah. And so, like, he, like, it was him and Lashnitz, and that was pretty much it for, like, the younger, not even, like, the like the more contemporary, like, cooler rock stuff. Yeah. And uh, I had an offer from APA, and I, like, really felt just strongly about, like, what Andrew has done over the years and, like, yeah, no the that. business that he had, the business that he built, and then, like, going to Paradigm and going to APA. And I just, like, I just, and I feel like he, like, truly respected me mm-hmm. in, like, his own way. <laughs> Um, oh, the caveat. <laughs> yeah, and I like, and I just, it just felt like it felt right, and it was, and I had a like, and it was a tough conversation with Ryan and Brad. I was like, hey, I know we just started this thing together, but I'm gonna go do this. I went there in June 2013, no, June 2014, and it's been it's been four years. Oh, it's been three years of of, of working there. It's been great. Good yeah, and like these bands have grown and. Signed some more bands and signed Somos and mm-hmm. yeah, it's been a, it's been it's been great and like in that time, Brad's come over. We've had like Bruce Solar, Andy Summers. We just we just acquired uh, a Canadian office. Mm. The company has like substantially grown. That's and awesome. It's been it's been great. Like Steve Ferguson just came over, um, and the the company is great. Like the infrastructure is great. Like. Everybody's super supportive. Yeah, it's a it's a it's a cool vibe. So we got into a lot of why you ended up doing wellness. I feel like a lot of people try this and they it doesn't a work. A lot. Yeah, like I like, I actually was. And I try and be as supportive like, as I can of those people because if it, was, if it wasn't do. for like people like yeah me then like helping me then I wouldn't be where where I was. But with that said, it's like I think my job has the highest failure rate in the music business and your job is probably the second highest failure. Whereas managers you could just coast to be an asshole for a long time. Right. But like so what do you think are some of the skills that you have versus where are some of the things that like it just doesn't make it work out for people? The thing that bugs me about young people that do this is they're so quick to like build their website make themselves like uh, make themselves a brand yeah and like i never wanted to do that i just wanted to like be the person for these bands and like do it work as hard as i can and kind of engulf myself like i'm at the office from 11 to 7 every day but then i'm home working Mm -hmm. begrudging to my girlfriend Mm -hmm. (laughs) i mean like most people successful in their music business uh begrudging to their girlfriend yeah (laughs) And, like, I'm traveling. The first thing I do when I wake up is check my email. Mm-hmm. Like, it's, like, it's not a job. It's, like, a lifestyle. Yeah. And it's, like, I love it, and I get stressed out. But, like, if you're not going to fully engulf yourself in it, and if you're not going to struggle for a little bit to get there, like, you're not going to get there. Like, so, I ate shit, like, mm-hmm. early on. Like, I was making no money. I worked at, like, six different pizza places delivering pizza, and I would, like, that, that was a perfect job for me when I was starting out delivering pizza because I could, like, go in the car and take calls and, like, unsafely do emails while driving. and But, like, still be, like... I would, like, wake up at, at 9 a.m., start working till 5, and I would go to the pizza place at 5, deliver pizza there till 11 to make money, and then do it all over again every day. But, like, it just kept me super motivated, you know? You just got to be motivated. You got to work hard. You just gotta sign bands that you really believe in, and not bands that you think are gonna make you a ton so, of money. So, but what about like skills with that? Like, so 
I like I remember like uh, joking with the Sobos guys because they all live in the same city that you and I do. Like we live fifteen minutes from each other. And right. so I'm like, oh yeah, like every time I actually go to a show, which is never, I see you because right. <laughs> you're always there. And it's right. like that thing of like, so you have to be one somebody who likes going out, you two socializing with fans. Totally. Like, is that some of what makes people fail? This is like you think. Like, they don't have the personality for it? Like, is there things like that? Yeah, definitely. I mean, there's some, like, awkward people. I think I think people that work in music are awkward. Oh, well, but, like, I around each other... We Lobard, Lobard infantry, then... Uh. Around each other, it's different, though, I think. Mm-hmm. Like, you go to things like South by Southwest or Lollapalooza or, like, things where, we're, like, all those people are together. Mm-hmm. It's, like, a, it's like yeah, it it's works. Yeah. But, like, us, like, us, like if I'm, like, I, I work in Midtown, I'm, like, oh, I feel so uncomfortable mm-hmm. and all these people in suits and, like, this is my vibe. But then when I'm in my environment, I feel, like, powerful. Yes. Or I feel like I'm in control. So it's just, like, I, I, guess, I guess it's, like, getting yourself comfortable with your surroundings and, like, mm-hmm. being confident and knowing that... My whole thing was I knew eventually... If I did things right, that it would work out. Mm-hmm. And that was like a big thing with my mom. She was like, this isn't going to work. Like, you're mm-hmm. like chasing this pipe dream. It's a weird career because like you don't meet a lot of people who do it. So who's going right. to believe in that you're going to work? And now work. she couldn't be any more like proud and happy. So That's it's awesome. just like, it's just like, it's just being determined. And like, part of it is getting lucky. Like, finding the right band at the, at the right like time. It sounds like you have a good ear for bands. You know I like that. to think so, yeah. Yeah, I, I I would say this. If anybody looks at your roster, it's kind of obvious at this point. Right. You were there very early for a lot of bands that have gone from nothing to something, and that's the real mark. There's not a lot of... I don't know of any bands that I've really signed that were already established when I signed them. Mm-hmm. And I think we're seeing like a real true second wave here. Like, mm-hmm. we got bands like McCafferty that are like about to blow up. That's like, interesting because I'm mastering that the day after tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> like, they are very... It's not the same model as Real Friends, but I, I get, like, a similar internet fandom that Real Friends had. Like, they were a band, and they didn't go on tour, and they kind of disbanded, and then they came back because somebody funded their record. Some hmm. like, random fan funded their record. Huh. That's and a very odd one. Now they've gone on tour. They just did a tour of Moose Blood, and it was, like wildly successful for them and now they're doing a co-headline of Rainbow Drive that starts tonight and the ticket counts are great and like it was a thing like Real Friends was where promoters didn't know who the band were mm. so it's like tough to book them early sure but it's just like now that I have the relationships that I built throughout the years it's much easier than it was with, with Real Friends mm-hmm. selling like legitimate promoters on, on the band because with Real Friends I had to go and deal with like kids and like mm. super DIY but now I'm able to put like these developing bands with legitimate promoters. And it's like, that's like a, that's, that's like bad. a, that's like a valuable thing for these young bands. It's like, yes. but sometimes, that's not to say that sometimes the young kid can't do a good job though. No, I'm sorry. Because the young like, kids are always, they usually can. it's you. Like, yeah. Well, you know what the thing I like to tell her, uh, like bands, like especially the ones with bad attitudes, I'm like, that sound man you're shitting on and that, Record label, that's the next big producer or the next big record label owner because that's where we all start. Is oh, yeah. Some shitty club. Like, you know, I started a sh- the shittiest club in New York, New Jersey as a concert promoter totally. before I did this. And it's like... Yeah. You gotta, gotta be nice. You gotta, you gotta be... And, and sometimes you burn that bridge and you gotta deal with it, you know? Yeah. And it's tough, but, like, this is a, rela- this is a business of relationships. Mm-hmm. And it's like... If I'm selling somebody a show that's going to do a thousand people, I'm going to count on them to want to come do my my baby band when it comes through. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So it's like, it's a give and take. 
So. And I think this is one of the few business that works in whereas publicity that doesn't actually work in and everybody thinks that works. <laughs> right. But then, yeah. I always like, publicity is like a wild thing to me. I'm like, yeah. how do these people get these relationships? Because no, there's no real financial gain there. It's like... It, it's the one of the weirdest things like that. Because the problem is like, you can't call it a con game because some people actually do have that power. But those people are so rare and then all these other people are selling that power. Right. And it's all bullshit. Right. <laughs> It's like, no, you're not actually going to get that placement for that person. You have no pull. Yeah. And it's like this business, like, I've had, like, I've, like, developed, like, I would like to think lifelong friends. Mm-hmm. Like, Buck Foley from Riot Fest. Mm-hmm. I, like, I was um, checking in on the tour that Modern Baseball was on and Real Friends were on, Susan were on with the, with the Wonders. I flew to Chicago. And I was like, because I really wanted these bands to be on Riot Fest. I thought this mm-hmm. was, like, Riot Fest was like, oh, this is the coolest thing in the world. I really want bands to be on there. And, like, I hit up Buck, and I was like, hey, Buck, I mean, you've never met before, but, like, I'm going to be in Chicago. Let's hang out. Mm-hmm. And this was, like, this was in 2014. And we hung out, and now we've become, like, close friends, and I have, like, tons of bands on the festival every That's year. Great. And it's, like, it's just about kind of, like, putting yourself out there more than you might feel comfortable with. I think it's, like, true. cold calling people on, like, you never know who's going to become a good friend of yours. It's, like... Totally true. Did I ever think that Zach Cirillo and I, when this 15-year-old dweeb is emailing me about Man Overboard for promos, who literally can't speak through his braces. Right. (laughs) Zach's story's crazy. Yeah, and it's like the thing. I I tell it at every college I speak to. I'm like, there was a 15-year-old kid who was really enthusiastic. He's like, can I come to the studio to see the band? I'm like, sure. You do nice things for us. Sure, come on through. Right. I I like to take credit for Zach getting it in the management because I was like, Zach... I really like light years. I really believe in this band, and sadly, for whatever reason, it never took off, and it really mm-hmm. upsets no, I me. I love that first record, yeah. And it bums me out. And I was like, Zach, you, this was like a long time ago. Zach, mm-hmm. this was like before Zach managed Knuckle Puck. Uh huh. Yeah. And I was like, you should manage Light Years. He was. I was like, I think for whatever reason, I thought he would be like good at managing. Mm-hmm. Just from like oh, running yeah. his website, I was like, you're incredibly awkward, but I think you'll be out of it. <laughs> <laughs> And him and I have been friends for like a long. Thinking back on it, him and I have been friends for a really long time, and like, I was always supportive of the of the website, and I always thought he was doing cool stuff. And I was like, just manage manage this band. He took it really seriously, and like mm-hmm. he did it, and like it didn't work out with them. But then, you know, he's kind of taken off on the, on the management side of things, and I think it's yeah. cool. And obviously, he's doing procrastinate and mm-hmm. a couple other things, and it's awesome. Yeah, I- and like he's like. Him and I, I feel like, have kind of grown together. It's, it's, it seems that it, a, lot, a lot of bands intertwined. Yeah. Like, in a Avange and I are, like, close friends, and we do a lot together. And, like, I remember this, like, agent, Ed Sellers, who's, like, a, a UK agent, he's like, hey, I found this, like, I found this uh, this artist called Nothing Nowhere on Reddit. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. And he's like, this thing's crazy. Nobody knows about it, but it's... People know about it, but it's, like, very yeah. underground. Yeah. And I listened to it, and I was like, what the fuck is this? I sent it to her, and now she's, like, fully engulfed in it. And yeah. it's, like, hopefully going to do big things. Like, a lot of, I, I have my a lot of cool people are involved with it. and Yeah. So it's just, like, kind of, like, you know, it's kind of, like, building a team that, that, that you're comfortable with. And I have, like, I've, like, branched out now. And, like, I love Avange, love Zach, but, like, I deal with, like, I'm, I work with other people now, like... Mm-hmm. Starting to work with like a lot like with the raw power guys and mm-hmm. yeah it's been it's it's been really cool. It's awesome. But like Zach and Avanja, I feel like are like my foundation of like, and they always will be, and they'll always be like important people in my life, and I always will work with them, 
with newer bands and with the bands that we have. But it's good to like always broaden your horizons too. Yeah, you need to be you need to keep your foundation and build outside of it. Yeah. Because other thing is people quit the business. Exactly. <laughs> they do. Yeah, you know, they start making donuts or something. Yeah. <laughs> Hi. I'm going to just take one second to tell you about something that if you're listening to this podcast, you will probably be interested in. Noise Creators put out a book called The 30-Minute Guide to Getting More Fans. It's by me, Jesse Cannon. I wrote a book called Get More Fans, The DIY Guide to the New Music Business. That's been one of the best-selling books on how to build a fan base for your band. That book is really long and detailed. What we decided to do, though, is make a smaller version of that book that you can read in under 30 minutes that tells you all about how you can build a fan base for your band. I'm sure you've noticed there's been far too many people popping up in your Facebook news feed slinging information on how to build a fan base for a subscription or $100 or something. But Noise Creators was founded because we saw the potential to make the music world a better place. When I started writing about the music business over eight years ago, I always wanted to just teach all the bands that I thought had potential how to do this because I saw too many bands not build themselves up that I thought the world should hear. So this book has all that knowledge that I learned building fan bases for bands, producing and working in the music business for years. I managed a bunch of successful bands in the past, and this is how I got them to be more than a band that just their hometown knew about. So if you head over to noisecreators.com under the more tab that says ebook, you can get it there for free. All you have to do is enter your email address or your Twitter address. Thanks for taking the time so, to check this out. Speaking of going outside of it, you have a record label now. Why, an- why another record label in, in America today in 2017? I like, like, go back to the thing with Real Friends where they didn't want to sign to a, a label. Mm hmm. Honestly, so like, actually, so we didn't actually get into that. So Real Friends actively did not want to sign to. They a label. did not want to sign to a label. So that's why it took so long. Of they had they kept releasing just EPs on their own, mm-hmm. and they were making like a lot of money on it. They were like pressing it themselves, mm-hmm. putting on TuneCore, and just they were like doing really well for themselves. They're like, why do we need a label? Yeah. And eventually, like pushing a shove, and like, you know, Avange was like, you know, this, 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 a, a label can help you with. Mm-hmm. And, like, you know, they signed a Fearless, but it was, like, a long time. Yeah. It was, like, years. No, they <laughs> held out longer than Man Overboard did, and we held out longer. Like, everybody's like, we can't believe how long you guys held out. Yeah. And, like, they still own all their own music, and they still mm-hmm. make money on it. It's, yeah. it's just, like, a valuable thing, and so does Knuckle Puck. Mm-hmm. And, like, so does Modern Baseball. Like, so, I, the thing about this business is I feel like, you're no good yourself if you're not versatile. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to be like I I know the promoting side of things. Mm-hmm. I know the booking side of things. I like because whenever you sign like a really young band, you are kind of managing them too before they find mm-hmm. a, a manager. At least at least mentoring them and taking on all exactly. the questions that are like I just started working this new band from Buffalo called Super American. Oh yeah, that's what I mastered all their stuff. Yeah, dude. Yeah, so they're a great band. Great band. They, they remind me so much of this band Perfuma I used to record that I always had thought of potential that they came out and I'm like, this is funny, this is Perfuma, but done right. Right. Such good hooks mm-hmm. and like so undeniably good, but they don't have a manager and they're they're like so small. Mm-hmm. Um, like, and so they keep, they've been sending me demos, I've been sending them around, giving them my input and doing like things a manager does. So I feel like I, I like understand the basics of that, mm-hmm. but I had no idea the ins and outs of like the label business. Mm-hmm. And like, 
I always think back to bands like Real Friends who are like, what if I had a label when Real Friends didn't want a label? Maybe they would have signed with me because they were comfortable. Mm-hmm. So I was like, maybe for this next group of bands that I'm like starting to work with, maybe I'll have a label and be able to offer that to bands. Ah, that's interesting. That didn't like, and like, you know, it's another way. That's kind of what Zach has done a little bit too. Yeah. yeah. It's another like income stream, mm-hmm. but it's another way to also like be a part of like control of the band's destiny mm-hmm. and like having your vision played out because early on, like with labels and when my bands are signing labels, I didn't feel like I was like, not so much like run for cover because those guys are like my friends. Mm-hmm. And they're also like, they're also not really giving any. They're not doing that asshole thing of like, oh, we don't hear a single. <laughs> but like, no discourage. Like, because Fearless has become like mm-hmm. like friends of mine. But like when Real Friends first signed there, like I felt like I was getting snubbed and like I, they didn't mm-hmm. like they wouldn't like take me seriously because I was like mm-hmm. this young new agent. And so like I like wanted to learn the ins and outs of that business, and so. I had a couple meetings and like Fred and I had become pretty close friends because of like him him and Andrew are like really old friends yes. from growing up. So Andrew's like, you should talk to Fred if you want to start a label because Fred's going to be the best for you. Mm-hmm. And so we went through this process. And Te- like, technically, Fred for years ran everybody's infrastructure of labels right, for, right. Well, that were just basically at our people. So. Right. So Fred and I had a couple meetings and like we kind of like took it step by step. Like, well, let's see what happens. And mm-hmm. Let's find bands as, as they come along. And, like, the first one was Heart Attack Man. Mm-hmm. Who, who I just instantly listened to because I'm like, all right, you're named after one of my favorite songs of all time. I have to listen to you. What do you think of it? I think it's really cool. It's not what I would have thought from a band that was that. And then I was like, oh, this is still great. I don't even, like, the record is incredible, but, like, seeing it live does it, like, the real justice. It's, like, crunchy and thick and, like, Eric's a very interesting front man and like mm. if you watch it a little elephant actually I feel like that captures Okay, that's what I will do tonight. At, at their best tone wise. Gotcha. Um But yeah, they're like a band who I like that's that thing hard back to you. There's a fifteen year old everywhere. Mm-hmm. The singer of that band was a fifteen year old who I like saw come up in the Cleveland scene. Mm-hmm. He was like in bands, I would put his band on shows. He's in a band called the Etceteras. And he was in a band called Ages. And then so he, he was in all the bands that there's was, a million bands that are also named that. Right, exactly. <laughs> like, kind of like the thing with sports, like five bands named sports yeah. after Bauer Baseball. And then he was like, he was like, he like started this project, Heart Attack Man, and he like wrote and recorded everything. Mm-hmm. There was like two EPs, and I sent the one EP to Fred a long time ago. I was like, I don't, I don't know. And I sent him second EP. I was like, oh, this is really good. Mm. And then Ian from Modern Baseball recorded their record, mm. and like Fred and I loved it. And then we we eventually we we put it out and. That's kind of, and like, with every release, Fred kind of has given me more and more to do. Uh-huh. Where it's like, just kind of like, you know, I should go do this, now you learn. And mm-hmm. like, it's been a, it's been a cool experience. It's like, it's definitely a lot more work than I thought it would be. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it always is, yeah. Um, but it's been, a, it's been really awesome. And we nice. signed this band's pop-punk band, Life Lessons. Nice. And we're putting out their EP in September, and they're going to go on tour four years strong. And then Heart Attack Man is going to do a split with a band soon, and they're going on tour the early November. Cool. This fall with Movie Life, um, they just did a free throw tour. They did a week of the Crime Stereo. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's been cool. I mean, we're signing bands in their infancy with with this label, and I think it's cool that like Fred is giving us the tools to do so. 
That's like, and like, that's the thing that like, Triple Crown's always done that. You, you know Triple I mean? Crown, I feel like, is one of the labels that if it, there's anything you put on their uh, tombstone is how many bands they took from nothing to something. And I, I like, right. I'm very big on that. It's like, yeah. there's so many labels that come in late in the game. And, right, and, and of course they're famous for like, the brand new thing, but yeah. like, like, they've done so much more than that too. Yeah. But even like, what I mean, I can remember being at West West Side when they were doing that brand new thing. It's like, the fact that he stuck with them when they raced that record, what, two times? It's like, yeah. it's fucking unbelievable. Yeah. So, and it paid off. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, it's been Especially after the week we, we've seen of them. <laughs> I can't believe that rollout. That yeah, was like... Yeah, this was funny. That was incredible. And I like... And I'm like glad that like... As close as friends with, as I am with Zach, mm-hmm. he was like, when Zach and I tell each other a lot of stuff, mm-hmm. he's like, I just want you to enjoy this. <laughs> it didn't tell me a thing. And I was like, man, fuck you. <laughs> but now I'm like, I'm happy. Like, yeah. it was like, it was like crazy to see it like unfold. And like an assistant in our office, Alex, randomly got a CD. Uh-huh. She's like one of the 500 people that randomly got a CD. And that was the way I listened to the record for the first time. Hmm. And I thought that was like the coolest thing in the world. I was like, it was brilliant. It felt, I felt like I was a kid. Yeah. It felt like so organic and so real and so genuine and like the only way that band could do that I think that it was well done but yeah I mean like it's just like I, I like I couldn't get anything done I was having like a moment in the office I was <laughs> like this is so cool so with that you've had an ear for a lot of bands very early on um, so we've kind of talked like a lot of them are brought to you but so what I feel like every band believes this myth that even if they suck, if they just do a six-month tour and they never stop touring, somebody's going to give them a booking agent. No. What actually matters to you no. at the end of the day? Like, what's a value system that you evaluate? There's bands out there that I like really respect that are touring really hard, and they're just touring to tour. Yes. And it's yes. so dumb. <laughs> and it's like, you need to pay attention to your songs, mm-hmm. what you're putting out there on social media, you need to pay attention to like. So you're looking at a band's social media, making sure they're not. Not even the numbers, mixed. like the numbers. I don't even numbers, care. but but personality. Like, like personality, yeah. It's like what kind of content are you putting out there, and like, what are you doing to set yourself aside from other bands? There's like bands that I sign that have like not even that. I, I don't even know. Like there's just bands out there that have incredible songs, and they think that's enough. Huh. And you know, it's like. So you're saying incredible songs, but they're not touring. No, but they're just not? like they're not doing anything. They're not posting on socials. Mm-hmm. They're not like. They're not engaging anybody. They're just putting out the record and thinking, well, I'm going to get big because these songs are fucking awesome. Yes. And, like, maybe that's how it should be, and I wish that's how easy it was. Yeah. I, mean, I, think the, like, I think the world trends that way, but we're nowhere near that trend being true. Right. And there is some bands that happen to, like, Pine Grove. It's, like, the perfect example of, like, a band crazy. that simply put out a great record. And, and it's it's crazy how long... Yeah. That record's been out for, and they keep getting bigger on it. Yeah. It's like it's, it's really crazy. cool, yeah. but that's like the exception to the rule. Yes, um, and I think that's the problem. Is everybody looks at the exception? They're like, I'm going to be the exception too. It's like everybody mm-hmm. looks at Modern Baseball, everybody looks at Pine mm-hmm. Grove, everybody yeah. looks at Real Friends, Julian like, Baker, Julian mm-hmm. Baker. Oh, like since she's been out, mm-hmm. there's been like six people that have like come up that like sound just like her now. Yeah, and, like mm-hmm. it's like it's it's those things are few and far between. Yeah. Like, there's bands that, like, work hard. Like, Somos is a cool example of a band that really works hard. Mm-hmm. And, like, they're still small, but they're happy with the small growth that they get for each tour. 
Like, they're, like, it was so rewarding to have them play at Webster Hall. And there's, like, 150 people there, and they were so happy. And the next time, there was 180 people, and they are like, dude, this is so sick. There's more people than last time. I was like, and, like, that to me is more rewarding than anything else. I think like the small things, like yeah. it's cool to see a band blow up. Like we all love that, yeah, and, that yeah. and that's like and that's like the coolest thing in the world. But like when a band like that or like Have Mercy is another good example of a band that's kind of grinded it, mm-hmm. and like they get bigger, a bigger, bigger, mm-hmm. bigger, bigger. It's slow, but it's gradual. And then there's like bands that come back from the dead, almost like Turnover. Yeah. Wow. I mean, that's <laughs> a crazy thing. And it's like there's all these different kinds of things, but it's all about like staying true to like your brand and kind of like kind of building it the right way and being smart and strategic and not just putting out music and not just touring the tour and not just like there's so many young bands that I signed like we're gonna go on a full US tour I was like no interesting so no let's break this down do you think it should be just the like strategic weekends do you think it should just be a week or two run like what do you what, 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 is, what is what is smart for a band that doesn't have 4,000 monthly listeners on Spotify? Like, are you a person who measures, like, when you look at the band? Yeah. Like, I, I do monthly listeners. Monthly so listeners is a, is, a, is a great gauge. And, like, yeah. seeing plays and songs and, like... Yeah. So, uh, like, so like you like don't if, have 4,000 monthly listeners, let's say. Granted, if you get offered a tour where you're opening for a band and you're going to pay shit money, you should definitely do it. Like, mm-hmm. if there's a definite draw, yeah. but if you're going to go out there and, like, depend on, like, locals to draw, like, it's a big mistake because it's, like, they're not going to. No. Like, they're playing, like, ten other shows that month, and your show doesn't really matter to them. You know what I mean? I do. <laughs> it's been a long time of watching that. <laughs> and it's like, so it's like, it's all about, like, do, it's like, my whole thing, and maybe I'm wrong, and maybe I'm right, is, like, starting locally, and then slowly spiderwebbing out. Uh, I, so I, say I, if you're from New York, go play New York, Philly, Boston a million times. I, I talk about it, like, um, the way people can understand. in and out Burger. There's a reason it's not on the East Coast. It just goes from town to, town to town to town, town to town to town, and it gets right. a little further out. You don't just throw something on the other side of the fucking country. Like, Hard Tech Man's a cool example. It's like, we've done, they're like, we're doing a tour in December, and they're like, another East Coast tour, really? We've done these like four times this year. I was like, yeah, but are you bringing out 100 kids to any of these cities yet? No. So do it again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, like well, we, we want to go do a full U.S. tour. Can we just like, route a tour out there to California? I was like, No. It's going to be a disaster. It's like, hmm. keep building where it's easy for you and it's like low risk. You're not going to lose a lot of money. You're from Cleveland. Come do these East Coast tours where like you're supporting a band that's a little bit bigger than you or a lot. Or, or a lot. Like, they, they just did these crime and stereo shows and they're all sold out. Hmm. And it's great. And hopefully, the hope is you retain some of those people that don't know who you are and they come mm-hmm. to see you again. And like, and a lot of it is like, mysterious and like time and a place and like how these bands break like if somebody knew how a band broke we'd all be we that person would be well rich i mean i think the thing like, is, is that that's the thing is it's a different story each time with the same smart infrastructure like you know it's like a thing like you were just kind of saying is like i think one of the greatest deterrents is like the expectations is like somos are grateful when they have incremental success because they right. say they're grateful when they see I don't want to call their last record a mistake, but they've learned some lessons from it, and then they see themselves learning from it, and I see them being excited about that. Right. There's so many bands that when they see that they've done wrong or they don't see the expect ridiculous expectation that it burns everything down. Rome 
goes to torches, the whole place burns down. It's have it understanding it's small steps that make it a big thing over time. And sometimes you get lucky and those small steps end up <laughs> shooting you up really far, but it's usually just small steps. Right. And like that's how it was a turnover. Like they were like they had a lot of heat right out the gate, mm-hmm. signed to run for cover. And they put on a record that people didn't love. Yeah. And they, actually they, don't play, they don't even play it yeah. anymore. There's a really funny thing. Is like, they're, they're like I use that example too. Is like, you know, there are bands that like come out and then they make a record. It doesn't do well, and then most bands give up. Like we're just saying, yeah, it's like, and they, and they would instead they reinvented themselves and made probably one of the. I I, I literally tweeted today. I was like, Turnover Dizzy on the Come Down is better than any Smiths or Morrissey song. <laughs> Fuck off. Like, I'm dumb. Like, that's one of the best records made in the last 20 years. I thought about this rollout yesterday. Mm-hmm. When they... We were, like, begging for tours at that point before, like, on Magnolia. And it was really hard. And it was really stressful. And, like, the band was super bummed. And, um... It was, like, a... It was a weird time. And then, like... We finished recording... They finished... Sorry. They finished recording Peripheral Vision. And I had heard it. Mm-hmm. And I showed it to... To Ellis and I was like, "Hey, I really need a tour for this band." He put on tour New Fun Glory, which isn't like the best fit. Mm, no, but it, it, was, it was New Fun. It was Turnover Turnstile New Fun Glory. Oh, which was like it was like a B market tour, and the record wasn't even out yet. And mm-hmm. I think they had one song out, but they only played stuff off that record. Wow! And it wasn't even out. And it wasn't even. But like, it worked, and people got really excited, and like. And then it just kind of spiraled, and that record got huge. Yeah, I mean, I, I was I looked at the Spotify place the other day. Oh, it's crazy! Play. I was like, man, this every is, song is um, a couple million. Yeah, yeah. it's a, it, it's it's wild. And like now, this new record's rolling out, and I think it's even better than the last one. And they're doing these cool listening parties, mm-hmm. and like there's just like crazy community for the band, and like, but even that didn't happen overnight, like. That touring cycle for Peripheral Vision was brutal. We did, like... I think the band toured the U.S. maybe ten times. Like, it was... Cr- like, <laughs> they just, like... Wow. It was like, a, it was, like, a steady grind, and then by the end of it, like, we knew where they stood, and now, like, we're gonna we're doing this headline tour mm-hmm. with Elvis and Emma in the mm-hmm. fall, and the counts are great, and, like, we're gonna sell out a ton of shows, and it's awesome. That's killer. Yeah. So... It's not smart to do a full U.S. when you shouldn't do it. What's smart to get your attention? It's tough, man. Like, I have a lot of, like... Before, I was, like, really, like, impulsive. And I'm like, I need this band now. <laughs> and, like, they're like, oh, this is the coolest thing I ever heard. And, like, with the super American thing, it's like... I've talked to those guys on and off for, like, the last eight months, maybe. Mm. And just recently, I was like, okay, I'm going to start helping you guys. Mm-hmm. And, like, nothing's really even happened yet. I'm just kind of sending demos around and, like, mm-hmm. and, like, you know, it's, it's, a. I if I can't stop listening to a band, mm-hmm. that's what grabs my attention. Yes. Like, it's, it's like, it's, like, it's over and over. Like, I just heard a new not, not, Nothing Knower song and I, like, can't stop listening to it. Can't wait for that record. And it's, like, I, I can't, I couldn't stop listening to the new Citizen record when I heard it. The new Turnover record, it's just like the new Knuckle Puck record is amazing. It's like if I can't enjoy listening to a band, it's really hard for me to like get super into it. Yes. You know what I mean? Like I can see that a band could be big and maybe like I don't want to name names because like, mm-hmm. whatever. But like 
there's bands that I, I've like had a chance on that could have been that are big, mm-hmm. but I just don't love it, and it's like hard mm-hmm. for me to get into it. You totally. know what I mean? So it's like uh, it's I have to like love it musically, and I have to be really passionate about it. And if I don't feel it, it's I'm not going to be into it, and it's not fair to the band to have an agent that's kind of half into it. Yes. And it's not fair to to myself to have this band on the roster that I don't really give a shit about. So that's the main thing. It's like, I got to love the music. So you got to love the music, but they got to be doing some work because if you see that they're not doing any social media, they're not playing any shows at all, you're like, ah, oh, well, I have no work. These kids these days feel like they're so <laughs> close to the band. Uh-huh. And I feel like it's like a good and bad thing because like, it's good when the band is younger because they love it. Mm-hmm. And then when the band gets a little older, they're like, it gets kind of weird. Yes, I, <laughs> I think that's a weird thing. Yeah. It's a very hard bridge to traverse to be like the Wonder Years who stays with people through their right. lives and things like that. Right. And like fans like think they're so close to the band. I think they know you and they feel like they're comfortable to do certain things mm-hmm. where it's not okay. Mm-hmm. But I think it's like <laughs> yeah. having that happy medium where like you're engaging your fans. You're like putting out content. You're like... I feel like more bands should do podcasts. I feel like more... I agree. Like, McCaffrey do, does a podcast. And I don't oh, know interesting. Many, I, don't know how, I don't know how many people listen to it, but I see it all the fucking time. Huh. Like, I see that they're doing it. And, like, acoustic videos or, like, different live videos or, like, tour updates. Just, like... Like, Pine Grove's doing these interesting, like, studio... I know. Like, I like, those, like I that's cool. Too. Like... Is getting yourself out there. So it's making sure people don't forget about you while you're doing while you're in your downtime. One of my big sayings is, um, everybody listens to these shitty YouTube artists, but when real bands finally figure out to do what the YouTube fuckboys do, that's the game over. Right. Because those YouTube bands make terrible music. Ugh, when the real bands actually don't. start doing what the YouTube bands do, it's game over. Yeah. And bands are trying. Bands are starting to figure that out a bit. Mm-hmm. Like. It's starting, but it's, you know, it's slow, but... It's always slow, because I, I feel like I've even been saying... I've th- been saying that for five years now that I think about how long that book's been out. But, like, like, here's, like, a good example of, like, a mainstream artist has done it. It's Shawn Mendes. Huh, I don't know. I'm who, not familiar. He's, like, a... If you heard one of his songs, you would... Yeah, like, like I know the name, but I don't know. He's, like, songs. was, like, a... He was on Vine when he was younger. Mm. And, like, his biggest YouTube video is 1.2 billion plays. That's wild. Yeah, and I, and I looked at like the royalty for that. It's like over a million dollars. That's uh, I mean, technically that royalty should be ten million, right? I don't know how. I think yeah. I just I plugged I plugged in some calculators like one point yeah. two million, which is crazy. Yeah. It's like so yeah, it should be ten. But like that person, like he like was like a kid on the internet, and now he's like playing arenas like like, like a real show. I think wow. it's like that's pretty cool. That's fucking wild. I have to. I'm gonna have to do some Google's tonight. It's not even my thing personally, but mm-hmm. like in like. I thought it was really cool when Fun came out, mm-hmm. when they were like the first rock band to be number one in like a long time. Yeah. Like a long time. And I thought that was like a really cool thing. And I feel like slowly but surely, this stuff is making a big comeback. And like all these labels, these major labels are like betting on it. They're signing all these bands, like Turnstile and Code Orange are on major labels now. It's like... Oh, I didn't know that. Crazy. It's like they're betting on like this rock thing happening again. Huh. Those are interesting ones to make that bet on. I mean, I guess, I, like, you know, obviously there's the Tigers draw. I'm like, oh, right, well, that's probably a better bet. But yeah. <laughs> um, but Roadrunner has definitely broken some heavy bands. Like, Sure, sure. Yeah. I guess it's weird, like, when it's, like, uh, broken these days, because, like, they talk about how, like, I think the statistic was a few weeks ago that it's been three years now since the Top 40 radio station played a guitar band. It's sad, man. Yeah. It's sad. It's, it's, it's like these bands are fighting for radio. Mm-hmm. And, like... 
Andrew McMahon is having his biggest radio success yeah. in years. And it's like, but it's like, that's still like pop music. It's like, I don't know any like true guitar bands that are like breaking it in the in the top 40. So let me get you in on uh, the two things I feel like um, everybody's always wondering for like what people you see uh, do. Scalpers. Is there uh, ever anything that's going to happen to make this so that the bands get the money and not the... Uh, there's like an, a long... Yes, it's definitely being worked on. Like, ticketing companies are definitely trying their hardest and, like, developing new software to beat these bots. And, mm -hmm. like, and like our office does a really good job of, like, trying to, like, get these tickets off of those websites and back into the general on sale. Mm -hmm. But it's it's getting harder and harder to, like, figure out who. It doesn't look like through, through like, lines of data to mm -hmm. figure out if these tickets are genuine buyers or not. And it's, like, it's really hard and, like, I know, like, my boss, he tries really hard to, like, prevent that. And, like, he wants the fans to be able to, like, get the ticket at a fair price. And, like, Ticketmaster has done a good, a good job of, like, trying to fix that. But it's still, like, a process that's ongoing. Mm. But and I, and I And I think in the next three years, it'll be better. But it's still, like, they're doing, like, stuff with, like... For like a bigger tour, like I, I know Touring on Pilots just did like this tour of Columbus, mm -hmm. and like they were like playing like really uh, like small rooms, so the scalpers mm -hmm. were gonna go crazy on it. And they did a thing with like it was like a controlled, like you had to enter in to win like a code to go into the room to like it was like very controlled. Yeah, but it's hard to control that on every tour. It's hard. Yeah, it's, I mean, I mean, I've, like, I've joked. You know, you know, it's the funny thing is, I joked that like you know, you know, who could solve this in one minute is Facebook is if you connected with Facebook and it showed how long you've had a like for that band. That's a good give, idea. And give the, th give the fans that have liked the band the longest yeah. the first access to tickets. It's like if Facebook would just open one API key, you could pretty much solve scalping. Ticketing is getting so intuitive. And, like, and I feel like the whole process is a little convoluted. Like there's a million pre-sales. There's a million pre-sales. There's so like the, when I, I ever see how many different codes some people send me for a, oh, a show. I'm like, what the fuck? The band would do like a fan club presale. Then mm -hmm. there's like a Citibank presale. There's like a Chase presale. <laughs> a Live Nation presale. Yeah. Amex presale. It's like, <laughs> it's like just let the fan buy a ticket. That's what they want to do. It's like, mm -hmm. and I get it. Like there's like marketing employees behind these things yeah. and like mailing lists money, and like bribery, money yeah. and advertising and I get it. But it's like, on the flip side of it, like. The back end of some of these programs is crazy. Like, Ticketmaster built like a software for agents to see like their clients' live ticket sales, which, huh. is, which is really cool. And like, you yeah. can see like crazy stuff like demographic of age, mm -hmm. gender, mm -hmm. income. I don't know how they. Huh. I don't know how they find that, but they do. I can remember when Trump's like, been on started harvesting that. It's it's actually like really interesting. It's it's really about uh that they're harvesting what the average income is in that city they're buying from. Right. And, like, you can, like, open, like, a, a map of, like, an area, like, where you have a show and sale and see, like, where in the city people are buying from. Huh. It's 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 fascinating. It's fascinating because then you can, like, say if you want to do, like, a certain marketing, like, campaign, you can see if it's working live. They're updated, like, every 15 minutes. It's, like, it's pretty fluid. It's pretty cool. And and figure out who you're going to sell merch to. Right, exactly. So I think that's a cool thing to, like, give us, like, more insight into who's buying tickets. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, scalping is tough, man. It's, like, 
I hate to see like shit like fans paying five hundred dollars for a ticket to a show they want to go to. It's well, like I mean, my thing is this: is what I'd much rather see is we get first to the artists, so it's away from the scalpers, and then let a certain amount of tickets be auctioned. Because like I think of like, like this way: like, it's like all my friends are we're fucking forty, so when fucking the descendants come, sell me a two hundred dollar ticket. Ticketmaster does that with mm-hmm. Ticketmaster will do that with platinum, mm-hmm. and but, like the, it'll be a higher ticket price, but it's a guaranteed certified ticket. Sure. And they'll do it for bigger shows, but like a lot of. The, but yeah, a lot of the shows I want to see are on Ticketmaster, right? Web and things like that. But a lot of the like artists in the world I work in, they're like, well, I'm not gonna do, I'm not gonna make a higher ticket price for like. Yeah, but I think we need to make that acceptable after right. we get rid of the scalpers. Right. So we need to make it and that money will go to the artists. Then it goes into yeah. the gross of the show, which scalpers mm-hmm. don't go to the artists. Yeah, and that's what what I'd like to see done is that first we get rid of scalpers. Then we get a thing, because even too, like we we live in a fucking neighborhood where clubs close down like every hour of the hour, right. and reopen and you know, trying to do that landscape. It's like let's get the money to the venues that provide a space and the bands totally, and away from fucking assholes. Like you know, I stood, I'd never stood in line for tickets. I stood in line to one of those LCD sound system tickets. The people I stood behind that morning were talking about how they robbed old ladies of their pensions. Like, the things these people do for a living, they're the worst human beings on earth. And I'm like, why are we subsidizing this when there's musicians who we love who should have that fucking money? Yeah, it's... It's it's interesting. And then, like, StubHub is, like, sponsoring, like, venues now. Uh Like, like, it's like we're enabling, like, this bullshit to happen. It's not what can be cool because you can go to like the Yankees games for like five bucks. Sure, like, sure, 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 sure. <laughs> I think that's the problem yeah. is sports is like what makes people like, oh, stuff up's fine. And yeah. like the musicians, oh, our musicians' friends are starving when they can have all this money. I work with the uh, Night Brooklyn party and like mm-hmm. our ticket's $10 and people like it'll sell out and people put on sale for like 50 bucks and people buy it. Like, it's such a bummer. That's it's wild. like. It's I, like, mean, I mean, it's also wild that Emo Night sells out, but it's, yeah. it's wild that that's a thing. It's, like, such a bummer. It's, like, I feel bad for, like, the fan that has to go through that. But I, yeah. but you're right. Like, maybe for, like, the older fan, like, we have more platinum. Dude, I think of it's, like, you know, it's, like, I have more money than a turnover fan. I'm not waking up at fucking 10 a.m. to fucking right. do it. I'm happy to pay a little bit more, but I wanted to go to the band, not fucking shit for brains bozos milking grandma for her pension right yeah it's, it's like, tough okay so what do bands do that are that's stupid on tour that they should be doing better that's the, that, that, that's the, the second to last question um stupid on tour they should be doing not taking advantage of being out there enough okay so talk about that like I'll have like a band out like a young band out I'm like hey you guys should do this you guys should do that like you should put some content up make a video every day and like, oh yeah, we'll do it, we'll do it, we'll do it. And then they're on tour like, oh, we're tired. <laughs> or like... Because everybody's tired because they're dehydrated, they drank too much and... Or like... Like, we'll sign, like, we'll like get like a college radio campaign for a band. And we'll have all these in-store opportunities for them. Um, and they like, oh, we're too tired to go do this. And I'm like, guys, like, you gotta go above and be... You gotta take advantage. That's wild. Being on tour is more than just playing the show. It's like doing press during the day. It's doing all these little things that like add up to like the reason why you're on tour. Mm-hmm. It's like yeah, the show is important, and you should make sure you have enough sleep, and you should make sure that you're not drinking too much, and you're not like too tired. But you should also like do the extra things that are presented to you. Those things do so much for bands. Like people, people don't get that that poster that sits up for weeks is in the perfect place for all their fans to see. Right. It says. 
they're doing it in store, and then the person goes, oh, I've heard of that band. I guess I should listen to them, and that's what breaks down that yeah. susceptibility barrier. In stores are cool. Like, I feel like a lot of these like audio trees, little elephants, mm-hmm. like these sessions are cool. They're great. I like that. Even that's though there's a lot of controversy with audio tree and like I saw that, yeah. They're like trying to like monetize their stuff and like labels aren't okay with it. And, well, like, never mind Day Trotter. Yeah. So it's like that's a tough one, but that's another topic. Yes. But like I think Audio Tree is great for a small inside bands. Mm-hmm. Like it, it's like such a beautiful piece of content for your band that like you're not even paying for it. It's free. Mm-hmm. You're kind of, you could make money off of it. It's like... Yeah, you do your content ID. It's not like you don't get publishing. Yeah. Um, so, like, stuff like that. It's like just going above and beyond and taking advantage of being on tour rather than just, like, staying at a venue all day and, like, being tired and grumpy. It's like, you wanted to do this. Yes. So go do it and do it well. And, like, go above and beyond because separate yourself. There's so many bands and there's so many bands going on tour too much mm-hmm. and it's like just be smart about it like so, so talk to that talk, talk about that though what's touring too much what does that look like because most people don't think that's a thing not like there's like too many bands going on tour that shouldn't be going on tour first of all mm. so everybody thinks like, you should like be the road warrior like there's young like I like when you're a young band like the only thing you want to do is go 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 on tour and like mm-hmm. do this like grandiose thing that you think is like glamorous and like I ain't glamorous, but, like, this thing that you've always thought about. Mm-hmm. And I understand that. Like, I've been there, and, like, I, like, I think touring is important because I think it, like, taught me a lot of the groundwork for, like, what I do. But I think you're just being smart about it. Like, when I have a band, I want to, like, map out the year of touring and figure out, like, what's too much, what's too little, mm-hmm. what, what makes sense. And as the band gets older, you feel like you find that they want to do less. Yes, well, honestly. <laughs> I have a band that I work with that, like, has tore their asses off, and I got an email, and they want to do, like, a lot less now. And, like, mm-hmm. but you can then. When you're a bigger band, you can do less and get away with yeah, it. Yeah, sca- scarcity works at a certain point of scale. Like, for example, when you're a small band, if you're going to go on every tour is going to be a headline tour, and you're going to do it four times a year, that, that's too much. Mm-hmm. But if you're getting offered four support tours, and it's, like, and it's like playing to, like, 500 to 1,000 or 300 to 500 people... No, nothing is nothing is too much at that point mm-hmm. like that's kind of like it's kind of a catch-22 mm-hmm. like you can do four u.s tours in a year and it's not too much you can do four for your u.s tours in a year and it is too much just about how you do it that's like i, I guess this, that's like this the, is this is the this is the smart advice yes. yeah it's just about how you do it and it's like like knuckle puck early on got so many tours back to back to back to back to back and it never was too much because there are always different tours different people mm-hmm. but like I wouldn't. I wouldn't have never advised them to do like four headline tours in a row. It's like, what's the fucking point? It's so. It's like dumb. So it's like it's just about like getting the opportunity out there. And like I have, I have this young artist Chase Huglin, who's like an an acoustic singer songwriter, and he was like super worried about like not being on tour at, at at all this fall, and like he went out and he booked this little headline tour and did okay, mm-hmm. but like. I think it was a good learning tool for him because it didn't didn't do amazing. And I told him, I was like, Chase, we're going to get you tours. And now he has the Spill Canvas tour into the Aaron West tour, back-to-back. And I'm like, see? I'm like, I'm yeah. glad you went to this tour that wasn't amazing. So now you know to not panic and like just like let us do our jobs and we're going to find you something. This is a good point, too, because I think this is like a, also like another one like not run into the man overboard history. It's like we did this 
terrible tour, which we shouldn't have done with you, me, and everyone we know. Right. And it was like one of those things, like, they had already toured too much in the year. They did right. been in Europe instead of this, but we had a European tour. And you may never know, and we know, it had been being a road dog, too. And then no one came out at all, because, like, right. they weren't a good match for audiences. And yeah. on top of that, they had hit those markets before. And then it was like, you guys should have just stayed home. And it's also about doing the right tour, too. Yeah. You're, you're correct. It's like, Knuckle Puck, we were done touring on Copacetic. We were mm-hmm. finished. And then we got offered the Media Parade lesson and Romantics tour. Oh, yeah. And we're like, we know this tour is going to smash. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's playing every market, every B market. We can, it's a great way to close out the cycle. But we but we, we were done, though. We, mm-hmm. we were fully done. And we did it. And it was really stressful f- for the band and like the recording process. But I think it's going to pay long-term oh, yeah. positive dividends to them. Because like, a lot of those people didn't know who they were. And, a lot of people, and, like, and I think they're going to gain a lot of new fans from that. That's the but, right match, and that's the right time to make an exception, and that's the right, right. time to change the plan. We had tore a lot in the record, and this was like going even more. But I think it, I think it was like the right way to go out. It's really rough. But Plus. it's just about be, like, but I feel like any other tour we would have said no to, huh? Because like, uh, said, we didn't need to do it, like, but like that was like the exception to the rule, and there's always there always is that exception, like. You have to be open to that exception. Because like, when you're talking about planning for a year, you're like, you're planning, but the plan might change. Right. Probably is going to change. And I feel like there's always the exception to a band coming back, too. Hmm. Most of the time. I feel like a lot of the time, there's like, all oh, these bands are coming back together. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? Like, like Jawbreaker's coming back. Yes. Like the Misfits just played. Like Misfits just announced today. Yeah. Uh, as the modern baseball. Yeah. Tomorrow, Somos releases a single. Yeah, it's out like, next week. Yeah, so it's like I feel like I feel like it's a cool thing. Music is a cool thing because it's always there. Mm-hmm. It's always like a it's always like a memory with people. And I feel like I think it's a good thing. People are like, oh, these old bands should get back together. It's not the same. Mm-hmm. But like, I thought the Misfits rocked. I didn't get to see, but you know, I work with them all the time. So right. Like that thing of like, but uh, I will say this is like, there's nothing I look forward to more than a Drawbreaker show. And like, on the video you know, that I saw, the little show they played yeah. looked great. Yeah, and it's like, you know what? You don't like it, you don't have to go. Right. <laughs> so they shouldn't get back to that. Well, that's for me to decide. It's like, yeah, I've been to some reunion shows where I wish I didn't pay the money. I've been to some that have been some of the best night. Like that refused reunion was one of the best nights of my life. Right. And I saw them on the first go around. Totally. Yeah. So I think it's just like thing that's like being strategic, like. Mm-hmm. A young band flat out just shouldn't tour to tour. Mm-hmm. They should like pick and choose what makes sense. And sometimes, yeah, sometimes you're in a pinch and you put out a record and you really need to go on tour, so you have to like scramble to put together a package tour. But you should be smart about it and you should like really pay attention to like the local bands on the show. You should have control over it. Like kind of like network and like I think this is the thing that young bands don't do is they don't like they'll book a tour or they'll have me book a tour or whoever is like their agent. Or they're doing it themselves. They'll book it. They'll announce it. They'll put the Facebook events up, and that's it. But like bands like Real Friends are successful is because they went in there and they were engaging in the Facebook events. Hmm. They were like finding local bands to play the shows that they fit. They're becoming friends with them, and like huh. like that's a smart thing because then the band wants to help the show. Well, it's also that thing of like what really actually makes bands like when everybody talks about this is like it's being part of a fucking community. Right. It's like. You know, you meet up these other bands, and then those bands take you. It's like a, you know, it's 
you can tell bands that forever, but most of them don't listen. Yeah, that, I mean, the real friend story story sounds like another proof positive of that being the thing. That's why a lot of bands don't work is because mm-hmm. they don't like it. They don't do the work, or I don't know. Well, they don't believe that that's the work they should be doing. They do what's fun for them and easy for right. them. Right. It's like if you like songwriting, you just say it's songwriting. You like you like the attention on social media. You DM dick pics all day. Like right. you, you do your thing. Yeah. So it's a. It's definitely like a lot of luck, and it's definitely a lot of right time, right place. But it's a lot of being smart, strategic, and really caring about what you're building. I like that. So, with that, uh, self promote. Do, do t- tell us the things that you should tell tell people. What do you mean? You promote whatever you got. To do, whatever's going on. Oh, okay. Um, got a label. Got some bands on tour. Turnovers putting out a new record. I want for cover. Mm-hmm. Citizens putting out a new record on for cover. They're both amazing. I feel like they're both like steps to like the most mature stuff those bands have done and like the most creative songwriting that those bands have done. Citizen comes out with a new single on Wednesday, so nice. it'll, be, it'll be out by the time this is aired. Yep. Uncle um, Puck's putting out a record on Rise. Mm-hmm. Um, For Your Strong is doing a, the second leg of their 10 year tour. Wow. Yeah. Which the first leg was fantastic, and this will so that's this, 10 years. Uh, Rise of trying, trying yeah. Um, Seaway's putting out a record on Pure Noise, which I think is their best record. And some of my like, I love those guys, they're great, they're they're, they're always a really good time to they're really good people to hang out with. Um, Have Mercy's gonna go on tour this fall, Slaughter Beach is gonna Slaughter Beach Dogs gonna record one of my favorite records I've heard this year. <laughs> Sorry, they're going to release one of the favorites. Really yeah. Um, and they're going to go on tour with Shannon Moser. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of cool stuff happening. Um, excited about these modern baseball shows. Excited about Riot Fest. Nice. Got a lot of bands playing that. Excited about the record label. Nice. Yeah. Just excited to like, like keep keep learning more. Like I, That's the thing. You got to like, you know, you don't, you, you never know everything. It's you true. Gotta, like, If you enjoyed this episode, please remember the golden rule of the internet, that if you enjoy something you got for free, please tweet, Facebook, share, or tell your friends about it in whatever way you like to do that. Please check out Noise Creator's website and take a look around. We have tons of interviews, discographies, Spotify playlists from all the best producers out there on our service. If you're unsure about who your band should work with, we can help you get the best producer fit for your record. To keep up with us, follow at Noise Creators on Twitter, Instagram, SoundCloud, Tumblr, or Facebook. This podcast can be also be found wherever podcasts are found, including iTunes and Stitcher. I'm your host, Jesse Cannon. I can be found on Twitter at Jesse Cannon or at jessecannon.com. Again, please help spread the word about this podcast and what Noise Creators does so we can keep this going. This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network.